What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. Welcome to episode 78. Almost to 80. We're at episode 78. This is WFS, the Will Ford Show. Terrific to be in on a Friday. So happy Friday. Um, it is Friday night. And looking forward to a great weekend. Um, the NBA offseason has left no shortage of excitement um, with the NBA draft and then the just the amazing free agency that we had this year. And then now they have finally released the uh, not the full schedule for the 2019-2020 season, I don't believe, but the Christmas Day schedule. So some of the Christmas Day matchups were released. They were leaked, and it looks like we've got some pretty good games. I am surprised that they left a couple teams off of this um, off of this list of games, but we'll go through them all. Obviously, my favorite one that I'm going to be definitely tuning into is the Battle of L.A., the Clippers taking on the L.A. Lakers. That's going to be one heck of a matchup. That's going to be... Obviously, it's a basically a home game for both teams, but um, it's going to be the Lakers who are the home team, as they usually are every year. Um, so that's going to be a great game. I'm probably just early predictions. Obviously, you can't predict injuries and you know how good teams are going to be, but just on paper, assuming no injury. I like the Clippers in this matchup, but I think that's going to be a heck of a matchup. LeBron and AD versus Kawhi and Paul George. Uh, it's going to be one great matchup. Um, and definitely my favorite game on this list. Um, then the Houston Rockets taking on the Golden State Warriors. That's going to be another good matchup as well. And it's two like completely different teams compared to last year. Like the Warriors last year had Kevin Durant and now um, they're without him. Clay Thompson's going to be injured and they have D'Angelo Russell. So it'll be Steph and D'Angelo Russell taking on uh, James Harden, the beard and Russell Westbrook instead of Chris Paul. So definitely a lot of intrigue with that matchup as well. I'm I'm really intrigued by Westbrook and Harden and how well they can play together. It's been I don't know, seven years since they last played together. So I'm really looking forward to that matchup as well. That's probably my second favorite on this list. Um, then we have the Milwaukee Bucks taking on the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, and that's not a rematch of last year's playoffs because it was the Raptors and the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. But um, the 76ers are kind of a completely differently like com differently made up than they were last year because they have no Jimmy Butler. Uh, they brought back Tobias Harris and then you add Josh Richardson and Al Horford to the mix and the Bucks really pretty much stayed the same other than losing Malcolm Brogdon who was a nice young player for them, but the Bucks are pretty much the same team. 76ers are a little different, I think a little more balanced. Um and certainly better inside. Um, on paper, I think I like the 76ers in that matchup, uh, with the Rockets Warriors one on paper, on paper, I'm probably going to go with the Rockets just because the Warriors aren't going to be at full strength. Um, next up on the list is the Celtics and the Raptors. Um, 
a lot of people may be thinking like why why are the Raptors on the Christmas Day matchup list if you know they're not going to be great next year they may still be a playoff team but they're not great um the reason is uh the NBA champion the reigning NBA champion always gets a Christmas Day game the following season I am 99.9% sure that that's how that always works um and it's going to be less intriguing because they don't have Kawhi um but Nonetheless, they've earned that right to play on Christmas Day and host a, a Christmas Day game against the Celtics. And I still think the Raptors are going to be an okay team. Like, I think Pascal Siakam on his own next year will blossom into a really nice player. Um, and then you still have Kyle Lowry, who is good in spots. Serge Ibaka. They're basically returning the same team. Um, you know, Fred Van Vliet and, and all those guys are returning the same team outside of Kawhi Leonard who obviously is one of the league's best players, but they only lost him. They're not losing a bunch of their core guys. They did lose Danny Green as well, but they're returning most of the same team. And it's the Eastern Conference. In the West, that team definitely wouldn't make the playoffs. But in the Eastern Conference, you've got a a solid shot of being a 6-7-8 seed. Really, a lot of teams can be vying for that 6-8 through uh, seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs. Uh, so this is still going to be a solid team, and I still think it's going to be a decent matchup. Um, the Celtics are going to be a whole new look team because they lost Horford and lost Kyrie. They brought in Kemba Walker and Ennis Canner. That's they're going to be in that starting five. Uh, Jason Tatum, I'm really looking forward to his development this year and just how much he grows as a young star. And how he pairs with Kemba Walker. I like the Celtics on paper in this matchup. Just because the Raptors don't have much firepower. And star power. And then the last matchup. On the Christmas Day list. Is the New Orleans Pelicans and the Denver Nuggets. I love having the Pelicans on this. I think it adds a lot of intrigue. Because it's it's Zion Williamson. Plus you're getting a lot of kids. From the Lakers. With Ingram and Lonzo. Um, and then you have Drew Holiday. Like that team has got a lot of intrigue. It's very intriguing. They got JJ Redick too. That's a very watchable game. The Nuggets were one of the best teams in the West last year, and then the Pelicans are going to be a a good team here in a couple years. That's a rising team to me. And with Zion Williamson, who just signed the most lucrative deal uh, in history with the Jordan with Jordan Brand for shoes. I think he just signed a partnership deal with uh, NBA 2K. So this guy is the most coveted player coming into the league since LeBron James, I think. Um, It makes a ton of sense having the Pelicans in here on the Christmas Day games with Zion Williamson, who many believe is like, it's basically like the next LeBron James in terms of just the hype surrounding him. Um, but I am surprised that they left uh, two teams off this list, uh, one from each conference. Um, the Utah Jazz, who I think are going to be, uh, they, I think they're going to be one of the best teams in the West. I honestly think the Utah Jazz could win the Western Conference next year. Mike Conley is over 30 years old. And he's making a lot of money, but he is still really good and a very underrated point guard. And Utah traded for him. And pairing him with Donovan Mitchell, I think, is going to be excellent for Donovan Mitchell's development as a player. 
but it also just it just fits with their play style. It, it just absolutely fits, and I think Donovan Mitchell is a much better two guard, anyways, instead of being a point guard, um, because he's more of a a slasher who gets to the rim, kind of like a John Wall type player. Um, and to me, John Wall feels more like a two guard than a uh, than a point guard, just because of the style of play, and he's not an excellent shooter. Can shoot it, but is just not of top-tier quality like a Steph Curry, Bradley Beal, Clay Thompson, those guys. Um, but having Donovan Mitchell at the two, I think, is going to be to his benefit. And it's it's going to work with Mike Conley. And then they added Bogdan Bogdanovich. I think that's how you say his first name, Bogdan or Bohan or something like that. But Bogdanovich is a, a very nice pickup, a very nice three-point shooter who can spread, uh, just space the floor out really well. You can play him at the three, play him at the four. Uh, he can guard positions two through four or five. Very versatile. Uh, you have the reigning, reigning defensive player of the year in Rudy Gobert. Uh, and he's a type of player that's kind of essentially um, been eliminated just because in today's NBA, you need big men who can shoot. And Rudy Gobert isn't that, but he's such a defensive presence on the strong side, on the weak side, on ball, off ball. He is incredibly good. And and then you're rounding out that starting five with Joe Ingles, who's a 3 and D type player who can shoot it. He can shoot the lights out and he's a lefty. And it's, it's just a great team. You have Conley at the one, Donovan Mitchell at the two. Uh, you'll have Joe Ingles at the three, Bogdanovich at the four, and Rudy Gobert at the five. <sighs> That's a that to me is the most balanced starting five in the NBA, uh, and it's not the best starting five, but it's the most balanced. Uh, if you if you're picking up what I'm throwing down there, and I with the depth that they have and the shooting, I honestly think that they can win the Western Conference next year. And so to me, it's very surprising that they left Utah off of the Christmas Day matchups. Um, if there was a team that I would remove from this to insert Utah, it would probably be the Denver Nuggets. Because obviously the Raptors have earned the right to play on Christmas Day. The Lakers have LeBron and Anthony Davis. Clippers have Kawhi and Paul George. The Rockets are a new look. The Warriors are always really good. They were in the finals five straight years. The Bucks have the reigning MVP in Giannis. 76ers usually play on Christmas Day. Celtics play on Christmas. Like those teams deserve to be in, but the Nuggets, I think, is a team that I would take out. Um, not through any fault. Not not that I don't like the Nuggets. It's just I don't think they're as good a team as the Utah Jazz. They're still young, and they need time to develop. Um, I don't know. I just I really think the Utah Jazz should be in there. And then another team that I would put in there. Um, that I think should be in there, and I'm kind of surprised they left them off, is the Brooklyn Nets. And I understand the Brooklyn Nets don't have Kevin Durant, and they won't have him for presumably the next year or so. Um, so I guess you can understand it from that standpoint. They're not at full health. It's not going to be great basketball, but you still have Kyrie Irving, and they still have a solid team outside of not having Kevin Durant. Uh, playing next year like you still have deandre jordan spencer dinwiddie karis levert 
uh, Joe Harris. You still got some good players, and I think that's still a good team and a middle of the pack team in the Eastern Conference, and they absolutely should be on here as well. I would take out the Pelicans next because yes, they have Zion Williamson, but um, similar reason to the Nuggets, they're up and coming. They're nowhere near as good as the Nuggets yet, and uh, I would give time for the Pelicans to get their feet under them, see what they have as a team and how they grow. Uh, and I think it would be better basketball if the Nets were in there. It may not be better for the NBA in terms of ratings, but I just I like I just like the Nets and I think Kyrie is too uh top tier caliber kind of player to leave uh, out of this Christmas day fun here. Um, but nonetheless, we still got some great matchups and I think the Lakers Clippers game is going to steal the show. I think that should have been assumed that this game would have been on the, on the list, uh, on the wish list for Santa Claus. Um, but I'm certainly intrigued by all of these games. If I had to rank these games, Clippers Lakers is number one for me. I'll go Warriors Rockets at number two, Nuggets Pelicans at three. Um, probably, probably Sixers Bucks at four, just because I want to see how Joel Embiid and Al Horford work together, and then at five Celtics Raptors. And it's no disrespect to Toronto; it's just they don't have star power. Um, but they absolutely deserve to be playing on Christmas Day. So, but moving on to the NFL, it's it's now August, so we're getting really close. It's still training camps right now, but we just had the Hall of Fame game, basically the first game of the NFL preseason. Uh, I believe it was the Falcons and the Broncos, which yay, I guess. But um, football is back, and here. In a month, we're going to have NFL football back. Like, I'm just so excited, beyond excited for some NFL football. But um, with that being said, a lot of, not necessarily a lot, but there's a few players, a few notable stars that are holding out and want new deals. One player did get a new deal that I'm about to mention, but there are several top-tier players that want new deals, um, and some of them aren't getting them right now, and it's kind of frustrating for those players, but teams seem to be a little... I don't know if stingy is the right word, but they're, they're not so willing to give these players new deals as maybe they were in the past. Um, Sorry, I was getting a drink there. But Michael Thomas got a new deal with the New Orleans Saints. He was holding out. And the Saints made him the highest paid player. Or not the highest paid player, but the highest paid wide receiver in NFL history with a five-year, $100 million deal. Making $20 million a year. Uh, That's the most annually that's ever been made by a receiver. And he's getting... Uh, 60 plus million guaranteed, um, which is, it's pretty good. And I think this is a, this is a, a deal that 
the Saints absolutely had to make. I don't think it was necessarily that Michael Thomas is worth twenty million, which I think I think he very much is, uh, just because he, how young he is, the numbers he put up last year, and how important he is to the Saints' offense and to Drew Brees. If you paid attention last year, Drew Brees, you know the first three quarters of the regular season, he was Drew Brees. He did Drew Brees things. He break he broke records, like he always does. And I mean, he just, he was Drew Brees at age 40 and, and then closer to the end of the year, going into the playoffs, Drew Brees kind of slowed down, sputtered out and looked tired and looked old as a, he looked like a 40 year old quarterback. And that's no disrespect. It's just, he looked like he was aging and he was showing his age closer to the end of the year. Um, and that's why I think it was really important important for them to get this deal done because without Michael Thomas, who's Drew Brees going to throw the football to? They added Jared Cook at tight end, which I think is huge because they didn't really have much of a tight end threat last year. And they haven't had much of a tight end threat since Jimmy Graham. So adding Jared Cook, who was really good last year for the Raiders, although they were on a, it was a bad team. He was really good. I think he had over 800 yards receiving. Uh, six touchdowns, was really solid and one of the better tight ends in the league. So adding him to the Saints gives him a weapon, a tight end, and Drew Brees loves to utilize the tight end position. But he can't just have Jared Cook. He needs that number one threat on the outside. And Michael Thomas is that, and he's arguably, a. I would say, I would argue he's a top three receiver in the league. You could argue that. Some may even argue he's the best receiver in the league. I may not go that far, but he's certainly getting there. And I think it was an absolute necessity for the Saints to get this deal done because Drew Brees has been showing his age. He needs a receiver to throw the ball to, get it out quick to him. A guy that can who, who runs great routes, uses his hands very well, and can just run away from people. They needed to get this deal done because if they didn't get this deal done, I don't think the Saints would be as good of a team next year. Um, I do think the Saints are going to step back regardless. um, Just because there's a lot going on with the Saints right now. But this certainly helps them or keeps them from taking any further steps back. Um, Because if they lose Michael Thomas, then they're certainly going to be a bad team. But with Michael Thomas, I still think they take a step back, but they're still going to be good. Um, the reason why I think the Saints are going to take a step back and I don't think they're going to win their division next year. Um, they may still make the playoffs as a wild card, but I don't think they're going to win their division next year because they're too hung up on this, on this missed call in the NFC championship against the Rams last year. They're too hung up on it. I, I believe Roger Goodell in the NFL is going to court still for this, um, talking about this call and. To me, the Saints just got to get over it. It was, yes, it was a terrible call, one that was inexcusable and should it shouldn't. It was a missed call, actually. It wasn't a call; it was a missed call, and it was inexcusable to miss it. But referees are human, and it happens. Um, and that's why we've, unfortunately, that's the reason why we've instituted this new replay rule now for pass interference. But that's just how it goes. Referees are human, and you just kind of got to get over it and move on. 
Drew Brees got over it. Drew Brees said he didn't care. He's 15 years in the league and he doesn't care. He's moving on. It's next play for him. And the rest of the organization is too hung up on it. And so I think they're just going to be riding on the wrong emotions. Um, and I I just don't think that's going to work to their benefit. They lost Max Unger at center. And center is one of the more valuable positions in football because centers centers are the quarterback of the offensive line. They see everything that's going on. They call things out. They're in constant communication with the quarterback, uh, pointing out uh, different blitzing schemes, what players are coming off the edge, who's the mic, who's not, so on and so forth. So losing Max Unger, who is a veteran center who's been really good for a really long time, losing him to retirement, it's a bigger deal than people make it out to be. Um, People don't think of the offensive line as all that sexy and intriguing and flashy, but it's really, really important. Like, why do you think the Dallas Cowboys have been a consistently good team over the last five or six years? Because they've had arguably the best offensive line in football. Pittsburgh Steelers are always relevant and always good because they have one of the better offensive lines in football. It's just the fact of the matter. You need a good offensive line to be successful in this league. Quarterbacks need good offensive lines to be successful in this league. And right now that losing a center as good as Max Unger is, it's not good for the New Orleans Saints. And so they did pick up some other guys, but they're they're not to the to the high caliber of Max Unger. And Drew Brees is 40 years old. And he's not getting any younger. He's becoming more brittle, as older players do. And the more hits he takes, the shorter his career, the shorter the rest of his career is going to be. And that worries me for the Saints. And Colin Coward mentioned two teams that are that you could compare this Saints team to next year. He feels really strongly about this. I don't know if I'm as strong about it because I still think they have a chance to make the playoffs. They just won't win the division. Um, is He compared them to uh, the Minnesota Vikings and the Jacksonville Jaguars. If you remember the Minnesota Vikings, when they had Case Keenum for most of the year, they went all the way to the NFC Championship. They had that Minneapolis miracle against the Saints. And then the very next year, with Kirk Cousins, they took a major step back and missed the playoffs. Um, similarly with the Jacksonville Jaguars, they had the best defense in the league. Blake Bortles was solid as a game manager. Leonard Fournette was playing really well. They made it all the way to the AFC Championship game, put up a good fight against the Patriots, arguably should have won and went to the Super Bowl, but that's another discussion. Um and then the very next year, kind of went into the tank. Um, I don't think the Saints are going to go into the tank. I still think they're going to be a solid team that can go nine and seven or ten and six and be a wild card team. But we'll have to we'll have to see. I I just I think they're taking a step back. I don't think they're taking as big of a step back as what Colin Cowherd is alluding to. Um. So keeping keeping Michael Thomas is huge. But regardless, I think they were taking a, a, a step back anyways, but having Michael Thomas prevents that step back from being such a big one. Um, 
Now, moving on to the LA Chargers and the Melvin Gordon situation. Melvin Gordon wants a new deal. Um, I believe the Chargers have only offered him, I think, 10, maybe $11 million annually per year. Um, I just defined what annually means. Uh, that's That was pretty obvious. But anyways, <laughs> um, the, the Chargers aren't giving Gordon what he wants. They're not, they're not raising their offer. Um, and when they didn't raise the offer, Gordon wanted a, he requested a trade out of LA and the Chargers didn't grant that request. They did not give him permission to, for his management team to talk with other organizations, excuse me, about getting a deal done. So seems like there's a stalemate in, uh, in Charger land and it seems like neither side is close to getting to a deal sometime soon. But Melvin Gordon had a heck of a year last year, especially in fantasy football. He was one of the best fantasy uh, football players last year. Um, One of my best friends had him on his team, and he just lit the world on fire. Um, He had a fantastic year, and I understand why Melvin Gordon wants his money because it seems like the, the running back market is being increased. We saw Todd Gurley get 15 or 16 million. Ezekiel Elliott could potentially be paid the same. Melvin Gordon feels like he's up there with Zeke and Todd Gurley. Um, Whether that's true or not, doesn't really matter. He believes that he should be paid with the best of them. Um, My only concern with Melvin Gordon is he's got some knee injury history. And just overall health is kind of a concern for me. Um, but it just, it just seems like that neither side is getting close to a deal. Kind of seems like a messy situation. Gordon wants the chargers to cave. He believes they'll cave and they're, they're not caving. They're not giving in to Gordon. Um, and I totally, I totally understand this from the chargers point of view because running backs have an extremely short shelf life. They carry the ball 200 times a year. They touch it a total of 300 times a year. Um, they touch it more than anybody on offense outside of the center and the quarterback. And they get beat up, man. I mean, they get tackled on virtually every play. And so I really understand it from both sides. Like Melvin Gordon understands that his career is not going to last 10 plus years. And the Chargers understand that when you get locked into these long guaranteed deals with running backs, once they hit age 30, they're not the same player. So I understand it from both sides. Um, but I side with the organization on these kind of things because of the money, the shelf life. Um, and it's much better to just keep rotating running backs every couple of years and finding decent backs than it is to pay a really good one for seven, eight years and have him just kind of fade out at the end of his career. Um, Like, if you think about it, the Dallas Cowboys offensive line, before they had Ezekiel Elliott, they had DeMarco Murray, who everybody thought was like the best running back in the league at one point. He had 18, uh, I think like 1,800 yards rushing and uh, was the rushing champion in 2014. 
behind that offensive line. He leaves the Cowboys, goes to the Eagles, and then goes to the Titans. He's not the same running back, nowhere near as good, and he gets injured a lot because he's not behind a great offensive line. Darren McFadden, the following year, has a 1,000 yards rushing, has a career year by his standards as an injury-prone back, and he's behind that Cowboys offensive line. Um, And this is leading me perfectly into Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott wants a new deal, and the Cowboys aren't budging. Jerry Jones believes that you you can win a Super Bowl without Ezekiel Elliott. Now, I, I think that's easy. That's very easy to say, considering you had Emmett Smith on your team back in the 90s. But Ezekiel Elliott wants a new deal, and I side with Jerry Jones and the Cowboys on this. I'm not going to budge and give Zeke what he wants because, number one, he's two years out on a new deal. And number two, he's not reliable. He seems like he's always getting suspended. And last year, he seemed a little broken down and beaten down. Um, I wouldn't be ready to pay him yet. And the Cowboys drafted two running backs, I think for a reason. They got Tony Pollard and Mike Weber, and they signed Alfred Morris back, who they had two years ago, who is a solid um, committee back who you can just plug in every now and then. I would much rather roll with that than pay a guy $15 million a year who could potentially be suspended on a yearly basis and just constantly has trouble swirling around him. This is why it's a very unique situation for the Cowboys because the Cowboys in the next couple of years are going to have a lot of players coming up with contracts. They're going to have to pay a lot of them. Ezekiel Elliott, Amari Cooper, Leighton Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith. They're young corners. And Dak Prescott, uh, and the, they they got to pay the offensive line too. One guy on the Dallas Cowboys who I think absolutely deserves to be the top priority because of the position he plays, and he's not getting the respect he deserves, not only by maybe people within the NFL, but the media and just people in general. Dak Prescott, 100%. Deserves to be at the top of the list of the Dallas Cowboys to re-sign him and get him a new deal. 100%. Um, Is Dak the most talented quarterback in the league? No. Does his talent reflect a 30 to $32 million quarterback? No, probably not. He doesn't have the strongest arm. He's, He's got decent mobility, but it doesn't compare to the likes of Deshaun Watson, Cam Newton, um, Russell Wilson, Carson Wentz to a degree. Um, it doesn't compare to to those guys, um, and Dak's not extremely accurate. He's not the most accurate quarterback, um, but he's extremely smart, and he's an excellent leader. He is a, an excellent leader, um, and the intangibles, I feel like I, I value a lot more than the tangibles, um, and the one thing that Dak Prescott gets you that a lot of quarterbacks in the league don't is W's. If you go back to when Dak Prescott came into the league in 2016, he has got the second most wins, the second highest winning percentage since coming into the league, and that's second to none other than none other than wait for it, Tom Brady, who many believe to be the greatest quarterback of all time. So if you think about it, since 2016, Dak Prescott has more wins than Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger, Andrew Luck. Um, Andrew Luck's probably not fair. 
because he's been injured. Um, but basically any elite quarterback, any superstar quarterback that you can think of who is really good, Dak Prescott has more wins than all of them, than every other starting quarterback in the league besides Tom Brady. Um, and I value W's a lot more than statistics. I don't care if Patrick, if, if Dak has the arm like Patrick Mahomes and throws 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards and wins an MVP. That's all good and fun, but Dak Prescott is winning football games. And something else that Dak Prescott has, has that not a lot of quarterbacks have is durability and that he's available. Uh, a lot of people, the saying is the best ability is availability. I mean, if you compare Dak Prescott to Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott is getting you win after win after win. Two out of three seasons, he's won the division. He's had three consecutive winning seasons, and he hasn't missed a game. And Carson Wentz, as talented as he is, a great talent, he hasn't played a full season yet. And his backup won a Super Bowl. So, and he's getting paid $30 million. So you just got to... I'm just laying down facts here. I'm not even... Like, you cannot argue with anything that I'm saying. Uh, it just proves that Dak Prescott deserves a deal. And a lot of people may think, well, the reason why he's winning so many games is because he's got a great supporting cast around him. But yeah, so does a lot of great quarterbacks in the league. Ben Roethlisberger had Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, plus an outstanding offensive line. Uh, Tom Brady had Gronk um, and a committee of running backs and a stellar o- offensive line. Aaron Rodgers had Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, and he's had some good running backs over the years. Like, yes, Dak Prescott has arguably the best offensive line in the league and arguably the best running back in the league in Ezekiel Elliott, and he added Amari Cooper, and he's got a great defense. But at the end of the day, the, the quarterback position is the most important position on the field, and in this league, it's hard to find quarterbacks that can play, and Dak Prescott can certainly play and that's the bottom line. You can't just throw away a quarterback that it has a lower ceiling. Um, but he's winning you football games. It's, it, that's really my point here is that Dak Prescott wins games. And if you really want to look at statistics, if you compare him at age 26 to some other Cowboy greats at quarterback, Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman, Tony Romo, at age 26, Tony Romo hadn't even attempted an NFL pass, and I believe him to be the most uh, or the greatest quarterback in Cowboys history, despite the Super Bowls, the lack of Super Bowls. Um, he's got a better touchdown to, ra- uh, t- touchdown to interception ratio than Roger Staubach and Troy Aikman, uh, a much higher QBR, over 100, and he's got a much higher winning percentage <laughs> at age 20, at age 26. Uh, like when Troy Aikman came into the league, I believe Troy Aikman's first season they went one in fifteen. Um, and Dak Prescott has lost a total of sixteen games in three seasons, in in the regular season. Dak Prescott has had three consecutive winning seasons. He went thirteen and three, won the division, nine and seven, year two, just missed out on a wild card spot. And then 10 and 6 in season 3, won the division. He's won the division crown two out of three years. And they look like they're in good position to do it again next year. 
everything I just said explains why Dak Prescott deserves an extension as much as the Cowboys need to give him to keep him on the roster for the next four or five years. They absolutely need to do it. Um, now I want to shift gears to this. I came out with, I started doing my NFL record predictions last week. I did the AFC North. I had Steelers 11 and five Browns, 10 and six Bengals or the Ravens seven and nine. And then the Bengals four and 12. And I think my four and 12 prediction for the Bengals might come to fruition because AJ green, their star wide receiver just got hurt. He's going to be out for the rest of camp, probably all of preseason, and he may even be out for the first couple weeks of the regular season. So that's obviously a huge hit for them because he is their primary target on offense. And um, and yeah, so Andy Dalton's going to be without his top weapon. Um, I know AJ Green is a he's an older star receiver, but he's Still really, really good. And so the first couple weeks of the year, it looks like it's just going to be a bunch of Tyler Eifert, who seems like he never plays, and then John Ross, who also seems like he never plays. So I just I don't like the Bengals' offense. I think Joe Mixon is going to grow into a star next year at the running back spot, but that's all he's going to be able That's all the Bengals are going to be able to do is run the football until they get A.J. Green back. And Tyler Eifert proves that he can stay on the field. I wholeheartedly believe that the Bengals are going to be the worst team in the AFC North next year. Um, And with this injury, it just further supports my argument for them being four and 12. Um, But with that, I want to move on to the next division. We're going to go to the AFC South. Um, And with the AFC South, that's the Indianapolis Colts, the Houston Texans, um, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans. So we're going to go through their schedules game by game. I'm going to write them down on paper. So excuse my crackling. And we're going to go through their games here. First game of the year is going to be taking on the Chargers. And that'll be at the Chargers. So let me get my handy dandy pen here. Um, I think week one against the Chargers. I'm going to go with the Chargers on this one. So loss to the Chargers. Chargers, I, th- I think, have the best roster in the league, top to bottom. Um, now, if they don't have Melvin Gordon, I think that's a hit. But um, I still think they're going to be really good regardless because they have a really solid team up and down. Colts against the Titans. Whew, the Titans are always tough in the beginning of the year, and then injuries kind of plague them. And then they're not as good. Um, to finish out the year, but I'm going to go with the Titans. So that's going to be a loss in week two. So two consecutive losses week three against the Falcons. This one is going to be a good game. Really tough. Um, I do think the Falcons are going to bounce back this year, but I'm going to give the Colts the win. They're going to be at home. Um, So I think that's going to certainly help. So I'll give them the win against the Falcons. Uh, against the Raiders in week uh, four, that's a win. 
Week five against the Chiefs, and that'll be at Arrowhead. That's going to be a loss, I think. Um, week six against the... Well, actually, it would be week seven because of the bye week, but you get my point. Their next game against the Texans, that'll be a win. Texans, I need to see what their offensive line is like, and I need to see how healthy... Health, how healthy... If I can talk, how healthy J.J. Watt is. Um, plus, Jadavian Clowney hasn't been signed yet. Don't know if he's going to play or not or if he's going to hold out. So we'll see. Broncos. This is in Indianapolis. I'll give the win to the Colts. Um, and I wrote the wrong thing down. Okay. Colts taking on the Steelers. That's going to be um, in Pittsburgh. It's going to be a 1 o'clock game. If it was prime time, I would likely go with the Steelers here, but I'm going to go... What I don't even know what I had for the Steelers when they played the Colts um, last time. That's probably something that I should cross-reference. Um, I don't have the paper in front of me that I wrote on. That would have been smart. But I'm going to go with... Uh, I think I had the Steelers winning, so I'll go a loss to the Steelers... Or, yeah, loss to the Steelers. They're going to beat the Dolphins. They'll beat the Jaguars. Um, against the Texans again in Houston, that's going to be a win. They'll sweep the Texans. They'll play the Titans again. I think I'll give them the win there. They'll split with the Titans. Um, against the Saints, it's going to be in New Orleans, which is going to be tough. It's a primetime game. It's always loud there in New Orleans. Um, but it's going to be later in the year, and I feel like Drew Brees is going to fall off a little bit. I, don't, I think the Colts are going to steal one. It's going to be a really tough, grinded-out game for them. Um, so I'll give them the win there. Against the Panthers... Mm, that's tough. I think I think I'll give them the win there as well. Cause I'm just I'm not as high as Cam Newton as I used to be. And then the last game of the year against the Jags, we'll give them a loss there because they'll likely be resting starters by this point. And um, so they'll split with the Jags. Um, so that gives the Colts a record of let's count on my W's here. And I, I got distracted by my phone there for a second. Hang on. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. So that's ten. And I miscounted. Hang on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I must be missing a game. Oh, I left the Buccaneers off of here. That'll be a win. So they're eleven and five. Eleven and five for the Colts. Um, and that'll likely win the division. So Texans. Let's go to the Texans schedule now. Texans, I think they're gonna like I love Deshaun Watson. I am really high on Deshaun Watson. 
but he just gets beat up by that offensive line of his. So, um, week one, taking on the Saints. Saints always start off the year really well. I'm going to give them a loss to the Saints. Week two against the Jags. Um, this will be in Houston. So I'll give this one to the Texans. That's a win. Week three against the Chargers. I'll give that a loss to the Chargers. Week four against the Panthers. That'll be a win. And I need to make sure I cross-reference these for next time. Um, Falcons. I'll give them a loss to the Falcons. Chiefs. That'll be a loss. Um, I said that they would get swept by the Colts, so a loss to the Colts. Um, Raiders, that'll be a win. Um, Jags, probably have them, I feel like, oh man, this is really tough. I'm going to have them splitting with the Jags, um, because of the Jags defense is just so good and that offensive line is so bad for the, for the, uh. Texans, it could be really good with the rookies they drafted, but we'll see. So I'll give them a loss to the Jags. Ravens, this is tough. I forget what I had the Ravens doing here. I think I had the Ravens losing this game, so I'll give the Texans the nod here. And I'll go back to my list, and so after I've done recording this and I actually post my because I posted the record predictions on Twitter for the AFC North. I will just cross-reference this, and if I made a mistake, I'll correct them um, and update the records. Um, Then against the Colts, I had them losing, so loss of the Colts. Uh, This is December football. It's going to be the Patriots. Yeah, I'm going to give this one to the Patriots. Loss of the Pats. Broncos. Give that a dub to the Texans against the Titans. I'll give them a dub. Buccaneers probably giving them the W there. Not even probably. Yes, I'm giving them a W against the Bucks. And then against the Titans to close out the year. Yeah, we'll probably give the Titans a dub there. Late in the year, I don't like the Titans. So, if we look at the record here, I think that's around 8 and 8, 9 and 7. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. 8 and 8 for the Texans. That's roughly what I would have them at. I was going to say 9 and 7. Um, so, 8 and eight's not bad. Um, well, it is bad, but just as far as what I was thinking in my head going into it. Um, I just don't like the Texans offensive line. They did draft well. I They potentially drafted well. I like that they drafted offensive line. It could be a similar to the Colts situation where uh, they draft well and improve the O-line and they get better because the Colts, I think, have the best young offensive line in football. So it could be a similar situation. It'll just, we'll just have to see how it plays out. Um, the Jags. The Jaguars' schedule, 
Um, first game of the year against the Chiefs. That's a big yikes, and that's going to be a loss. So let me write this out here. Loss, Chiefs. Against the Texans. Um, I believe I had the Texans splitting. So I'll just say loss for right now against the Texans. Doesn't really matter which one. My pen's dying on me here. Um, Titans. Titans are always good early, so I'll give them an L there. Against the Broncos, that's going to be in Denver. That's going to be an L. Again, then against the Panthers, I'll give them a W. We'll get them out of that 0-4 slide against the Panthers. Um, then against the Saints, ooh, this is going to be a tough one. I think that defense can swallow up the Saints. I'm going to give them a W. Jaguars and the Bengals, that uh, Jags. Jets, Jaguars. I'll give the Jags a win. I uh, just got to write this out. Um, Texans, I had them losing the first one, so I'll give them the win here. Uh, the Colts, I believe I had them splitting, so yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really matter, so I'll just put loss for Colts. Then the Titans, um, give them a win. I'm split with the Titans. Um, then the Buccaneers, that's going to be a win for the versus the Bucks. Chargers, yeah, Chargers are just too good. That'll be a loss. Then against the Raiders, that's a win. Falcons, that'll be a loss. And then the Colts. Um, again, I had them splitting, so what did I have written earlier? I had a loss, so put a win versus the Colts. So that gives them a 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 7 record. Okay. And then... So that puts them in second place in the division. And we'll see what I have the Titans at. So that'll this will round out the episode here with the Titans predictions now. And I know this may seem kind of boring me going through each and every game, but I kind of want to just go through it a little bit and kind of an, analyze instead of just spitting a number out there. Um, I think it just makes it a little better that way that I can just look at it and really give a, just some kind of analysis, a little bit of thoughts on it. First game of the year, Titans and the Browns. I had the Browns winning that. I remember that from last week. Browns are just too talented, although I do love the Titans earlier in the year. Browns are too talented, so loss, Browns. Week two against the Colts. Um, I'll give them a win because I had them splitting anyways. Against the Jaguars, I had them splitting, so I'll just give them a win. 
against the Falcons in week four. Why not? Why not get on the Titans train and give them a foul and give them a win? I think they can do it. Then against the Bills, yeah, win. Broncos, that's going to be in Denver. I'll give them a loss there. That's the thing about Denver is when you're playing in it's the Mile High City. It's probably the toughest place to play. The fans are so loud. The the altitude, the air pressure, like. It's just so difficult to play there. And so any a lot of teams that go in there to play Denver, even really good ones, they oftentimes will lose um, early in the year. So I'll give this a loss to the Broncos. Chargers, that's a loss. I love the Chargers. So favorite team outside of the Cowboys. Buccaneers, we'll give them a win. Not a Bucks fan. Panthers. Um, loss. I do think the Panthers are going to be solid, although I had them losing to, I think, all three of these other teams, the Jags, the Texans, and the Colts. I don't, I think the Panthers can beat the Titans. Um, then Jags, Titans again. Um, I'll give them a loss because I had them splitting. Um, Colts, I had them splitting, so L. Beating the Raiders. Um, Texans, did I have them splitting? I believe I had them splitting. Actually, no, I had the Texans beating them both times, so we'll give them a loss to the Texans. And the Saints, <sighs> injuries usually plague the uh, Titans at the end of the year, so I give them a loss to the Saints. And then loss to the Texans. So this looks like a 4, 5, 6, and 10 team, which is roughly what I would have had them at. I don't think they're the be- one of the better teams in the AFC South. So that rounds it out. So I have the Colts winning the AFC South with an 11 and five record. The Jags finishing in second with a nine and seven record, potentially a wild card team. Um, the Texans eight and eight. I said that really weird. Eight and eight, and then the Tennessee Titans at six and ten. Um, not bad. And I'll have to cross-reference with some of those other games that crossed over with the AFC North. Maybe I have to adjust, but I think I got them right. But anyways, I think that's about it for today's show. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed. Uh, be sure to follow my uh, show on Twitter, at The Will Ford Show. Uh, make sure you rate and review the show on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. Like and comment on SoundCloud. Subscribe on SoundCloud. Um, follow my YouTube page where I post segments of... Um, episodes of the Will Ford show, um, just to get some video content out there as well. Um, and yeah, and also follow my Facebook page where I like to engage some listeners on there as well. I've, I think I've gotten some good engagement on Facebook since I've made the page. So I'm really happy about that. So feel, feel free to submit questions on Facebook or on Twitter 
or on YouTube on some of my videos. I had some engagement on my YouTube video talking about Wimbledon um, a week or so ago, or maybe it was two weeks ago. Um, a really thoughtful, detailed comment on that. So I appreciate that. Um, but yeah, almost to episode 80, episode 79. We'll see you when episode 79 comes around. See you later. This is WFS. WFS.